Who do you work for, really? Each one of us has a calling. Have you heard this before? Your workplace is your mission field, wherever that may be. You either work for him or work against him, but you work for someone. Who do you really work for? Is it your clients, your boss, your family, yourself, or your Lord? This isn't a trick question. There is a right answer. You're either all in or all out. Are you for him? I am. In fact, I work for him. Hey, Jim, who do you work for? I work for him. I work for Jesus Christ. I want to be your hands. Let me introduce you to the host of the I Work For Him show, Jim Brangenberg. Welcome, welcome, welcome. You've tuned into the I Work For Him radio show with your host, Jim Brangenberg. Take a minute and listen. I Work For Him, it's not a program that you sign up for. It's a mentality. It's a way of living. It's a permanent shift in your Christ-following paradigm. It's a revolution that's happening in the workplace, and it's about bringing the kingdom of God into places where the kingdom is is ignored. Keep in mind that your existence in your workplace, it's not by chance. It doesn't matter what you do or where you do it. Whether you're a pastor, a car mechanic, an attorney, a teacher, a mom, a used car salesperson, your work, it matters to God. And he expects you to be his representative in your workplace. And in your workplace, to recognize that that's your mission field. And in that mission field, you may be the only Jesus your coworkers and employees may ever meet. Now, I know you've heard me say this tons and tons of times, but every day we need to be reminded that going to work is not just to draw paychecks so we can buy groceries. Going to work every day is an opportunity to be a light for Christ. Each day on the I Work For Him show, we try to bring you the practical, the tactical, the factual, and the biblical ways to incorporate your faith into your workplace. I don't come to you as an expert. I don't come to you as somebody that's got this all figured out. I'm just one guy trying to live my life transparently so that you can maybe gain something in order to be an effective witness for Christ in your workplace. Our paradigm shift is described like this. Romans 12.2, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Welcome to the I Work Ram Zone. I hope you're never the same. And as we sit here today and talk via the miracle of Skype, you're going to hear my caller today. He's not anywhere near the studio. He's in South Carolina, but he's going to sound like he's right here. And this is the first time I've ever done a show where my caller is on Skype. It doesn't make sense to me. I'm not going to have a video. Oh, that, that would have been cool. But I'd like to welcome Doug Piper and his son, Douglas Piper, to I Work For Him. Hey, Jim, how are you? Man, you sound better than I do. Like you're like you should be the one doing this show. That's pretty amazing. But I won't talk nearly as fast as you do. No, it's impossible. You're a southerner. You don't even know how to do that. Southerners don't even with Mountain Dew, you probably couldn't talk as fast as me. I don't think so. You know what I love about the story, Doug, and how you got here on this show is, you know, you heard one of my shows, which I don't even know how you did. Well, you could share that in a minute, but you reached out to me and and as I tell people, well, if you reach out to me, I'm going to respond. I'm not some superstar. I'm a normal guy with a radio show. And if somebody reaches out to me and has got a question, I'm going to respond. And you you reached out, and we've had some great conversations. And one of the shows you were listening to of mine was a show about halftime. And it it touched your heart, and since then you've gotten involved in halftime. So, Doug, first of all, tell, tell the listeners how Jesus is making a difference in your life today. And then I want to hear, how did you hear about my show in the first place? Well, Jim, I am blessed beyond belief. I mean, it's it's really true. Uh, we have had so many things to be thankful for. Uh, it's just kind of unbelievable that that 
things that, that we tried to put in place 10 years ago, weren't sure that they really would happen, have actually come and have ha- brought me actually uh, to the point that I could do something like this radio show because I have, have left my corporate job and uh, because if I was doing it, I couldn't be here. So it's exciting to be here and I certainly had no idea that when I listened to your podcast that one day that I would ever be on your show. So uh, that, that's really exciting. And it's exciting to have my son Douglas here, who's also quite interested and quite experienced in media. So it's uh, fun for us both to be on live radio. Well, you probably both have more experience than me. You know, before I stepped into the studio on April the 15th, 2013, I'd never, ever been on radio, except a couple of test drives along with some other guy on a show. But I, I just, it wasn't where I thought I'd ever end up being. So it's, it's exciting to be where God wants you to be instead of where you think you're going to be. So how did you get tuned into my podcast? Like, how did you find out about it? Well, I had actually years ago read the Halftime book, uh, became re-engaged with Halftime, but I was doing, I was vetting it. Uh, I was a little, I'm an engineer and... Oh, boy. Things. <laughs> so... <laughs> Uh, Engineers and CPAs, they go to every detail. They will turn over every rock before they make a decision. Well, I had talked to several halftime people, and I thought, well, just kind of independently, I want to see if there are any podcasts out there where any of those guys have been interviewed. So I did a search on iTunes. Uh, I think it was Jeff Spatafora maybe had. Earlier this year, yep. He had done an interview with you, and it was kind of like, oh, wow, you know, that, that just really sounds awesome. So. I mean, you did a great job on the show. Jeff did a, his usual amazing job, and, uh, you know, it's, I'm still a bit stunned that I'm on the radio with you now. No, well, you know, that's what God, it, that's God's plan, not man, mine. And I'll tell you, the other two or three people that have reached out to me like you did, I brought them on the show because this show is about, this is not a, the Jim Brangenberg show. This is, I work for him, and I want it to be a show where people from around the globe can be unified, find out about great ministries that are discipling and impacting Christ followers in a workplace. But I want people to hear other people's Christ stories. I want people to hear how did your life get rocked by Jesus Christ. We are talking today with Doug Piper and Douglas Piper. And we're talking about Doug Piper about his halftime journey. And we're talking with Douglas Piper to find out if his dad's for real. That's right. We're going to put him on the spot today. We're going to ask Douglas Piper about his dad. How's his faith looking to you? All right. So welcome back, guys. Hey, how are you, Jim? Okay. So let's just talk about, Doug, how did you come to know Jesus Christ? Jim, I am one of those that has never known a time when Christ wasn't in my life, Uh, no no matter how hard I tried to ignore him. Uh, I was raised in just a a really special family, very Christ-centered and, and I was so blessed to really never know a time when Christ wasn't a part of my life. But, you know, I think he really chose me for his team or his family long before I knew there was a game or a family. Uh, I, I, you know, it's really great to be uh, selected like that and be a part of that. So it's, it's been just obvious. But as a, as a child, I, I probably did my best to run from it. And Christ somehow always intervened and kept me out of jail or being seriously hurt or, you know, he just, you know, really looked after me. But that's not to say there weren't plenty of teachable moments from my parents. All right, we have to turn off that phone in the background, though, Doug. Okay, so Douglas, your dad just, can you hear me, Douglas? 
Yeah. All yeah. right. So your dad just professed, you know, he's been a pretty, he's been a Christ follower for all of your life, for sure. Talk to me about how your dad lived that out at home. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, Christ shares that it's, you know, we're a family. Um, and my dad stayed true with that, with, um, we were very family focused and Christ and church oriented and um, things that we did, we did purposeful and not, you know, not just on a whim or anything like that. And so it was neat. You know, we made dinners, um, family vacations, priorities. Um, we made church a priority. We made our faith a priority. And so being able to grow up in a household like that is is an incredible blessing. Um, and just to be able to to learn and to see by example um, just what a follower of Christ looks like. I love that. I, and because and, I didn't know you were going to be on there. Of course, your dad didn't know I was going to ask that question. So he was just sweating there for a minute. So, you know, I, Doug, I know you've been married to Nancy for a very long time. Yeah. Now, Douglas, are you married? Yeah, I've been married for two and a half years. So how was your dad's example of marriage to his wife, Nancy? How was that an example for you in, in your motivation to get married? Oh, it was it was great. Um, you know, like we've been very, very blessed um, just to see both on my dad's side and my mom's side of the family, just um, how husband and wife have loved each other and how they communicate and how they're obviously disagreements, but to be able to work through that. And, um, and so for, to just see how, um, and just see how they learned, uh, and how they loved each other was just incredible. And so, um, just, yeah, everything by example makes it, makes it easy to then go into my relationship with my wife, Meredith, and be able to, to learn to love well and to serve her well and to, um, pursue Christ with her. That's awesome. Speaking of incredible wives, I've got the most incredible wife for me on the line. Martha, welcome to I Work For Him. You're not usually on a Wednesday show, but I'm just, oh, is today Thursday? No, today's Wednesday. What day is today? I have no idea. <laughs> I think it's still, I have no idea what day it is. It's the 10th. I, That's right. I'm pretty okay. sure it's Thursday. It's Thursday. It is Thursday. Okay. Wow. Lost my dates there for a minute. So talk to me about this incredible contest. You can say hi to Doug and Douglas, though, if you want to. Hi. Doug and Douglas, thanks for being on with Jim today. You guys have a pretty neat story for everybody to hear. We're excited to be here, but I'm glad you can help Jim with the day of the week. I, <laughs> I really Actually, did lose he was kind of stumping me, too, so it's maybe been a long week for us. Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> maybe. So tell me, baby, what about this contest that we're doing, this wow brick that we're giving away? Tell me about how people can actually sign up. Describe it and tell, me, tell people how they can get signed up for this. Yeah, we were talking about it and the fact that it's really hard for you to describe it from your cell phone. So I'm looking at a, at my computer at my desk, and if people go to our go to Facebook and search for "I work for him" and the four is the number four, "I work for him," it will come up with the page that will have our picture sitting at the beach, so people will know they're on the right page. And right below me, there is a little bar that says, "Well, first of all, they can like our page right under your elbow." And then right under me, there, there's a thing that says, Wow Hits CD Giveaway. And if they click on that, it'll take them to the contest. They can enter to win this brick of 33 CDs. Well, you counted and, them. Okay, you counted them. So it's yeah, 33 CDs. we know CDs. that there's a total of 33 CDs. And if there's not, then somebody's, um, you know... 
enjoying one or two of them. No, no, there's there'll be thirty. So there's really thirty five. You took two of them out of the pot. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> no. So it's Wow Hits 2016, and then it's a CD from every artist that's on Wow Hits 2016. So we want them to enter to win, and then we will be announcing that on December 29th. So on the Facebook, it says it ends at midnight, basically on the 28th, so that they can notify us. And you were saying you didn't know how it was going to be picked, so we can tell everybody that the um, apps that we are using to monitor this um contest they randomly pick the winner and that is who we will announce on the show on the 29th of december and this is brought to us brought to all of you this whole contest brought yeah. to us by mtlmagazine.com that's mortallifemagazine.com all right baby thanks i appreciate it we'll make sure people are, are, are finding out about it i appreciate giving the highlight all righty i'll be watching thanks everybody bye-bye all right bye-bye baby all right doug as we you are an aerospace engineer right yeah, that's right so, but i did you like build rockets to outer space to the moon or anything like that? Well, I was I was part of an aerospace company. I was actually an electrical engineer. Oh, oh I had it wrong. Sorry. Yeah, no, that's okay. I, we, we were selling aerospace products, so okay. that, that makes me want. But uh, yeah, I mean, just like you were talking about for this Skype interview, if there's a hard way to do it, I'll usually find a hard way to do it. But uh, the technology really fascinates me and is fun. Well, that's going to fascinate you. It frustrates me because there's so many choices. I just want some young guy that's 25 to figure it all out for me. Oh, yeah, that's what I've got. That's right. So it, it's good. So talk to me about, so you, you worked in that industry for a very long time. How, when was it that you started to recognize that, wow, I can be a minister in my workplace. I don't have to be a minister in a church. I can be a minister in my aerospace engineering company. Jim, it was mostly in my work ethic, and I don't know that I exhibited uh, my Christian uh, outreach as much as I should have. Uh, I just wasn't, uh, I guess, in the environment I, I was in. It didn't really strike me as something I needed to really go after. So really what I did is just focus on a good work ethic, uh, how we did our deals, how we did our pricing, how we did our contracts, and just tried to follow as as you know, a good Christian principles as much as possible so that no one could ever question, you know, how we did things, how we did our pricing. Uh, we have a lot of confidential information because we did a lot of government work, but we also did almost everything we did was new products. So it was extremely important not to have any cross-pollination uh, between one invention or one person's idea and another. And you had to really be pretty diligent because, I mean, you could leverage that if you wanted to. So it was mostly in our values, uh, but there was an interesting time. Uh, we, had, we had a major program with Boeing, and we'd reached a production milestone for the JDAM weapon system, and it was a really big deal. I mean, we had people from, the, from Congress and the Senate and bigwigs from Boeing, and we were planning it, and I said, let's open with prayer. And, and you could have heard a pin drop in the room. <laughs> but he said, you know, that's, let's do it. Will you do it? And I said, sure. And so here we had all these Boeing and Congress and every employee in the plant. And big right. I'm going to stop you right there. All right. So, Doug, you read, have you read the book Halftime yet now? Yes, I have. Now, have you gotten Douglas to read it yet? No, I have not. Because you didn't think he's old enough, right? Is that why? <laughs> no, no. I've, I've actually encouraged him to read some other books, too. But, yeah, he's a, he's a little early for halftime. No, no, no. I was in my early 30s when I read it. 
Okay. It's not, you, you don't have to be 50 to read halftime because most people don't live to be 100. Okay, so Douglas, I would tell you, read that book. It's an amazing book. And uh, and if you call into the studio line, I can send you a copy. All right, so uh, 877-943-9673. Or you could just send me an email later. All right, so Doug, you're sitting at this conference table and you've said, hey, before we start this meeting with people from Boeing and other people around the world, Congress people, you said, hey, let's open the meeting with prayer. Did anybody drop dead of a heart attack right there? Well, we had pre-planned it, so everybody was pretty comfortable. And by the way, it wasn't around a conference table. This We had the biggest room in the facility. We had Ooh. all the employees and all the dignitaries. So we had planned it, uh, and, and the audience uh, reacted very positively to the, to the prayer and everybody there. So it wasn't like that was an issue. Had you ever prayed in a meeting like that before? No, not wow. at all. Was 40 years that I had been there, I think it was the first one uttered other than what people might have said over grace. Over the- <laughs> or, and and yeah. we're not a, but they were not a, we're not a bunch of heathens at that operation. I just, it just wasn't really stressed in the workplace. Okay. Well, so talk to me about what happened. So you get to pray with these guys. I mean, because when you start to pray in the workplace, things change. That, that yeah. really shifts a paradigm for people. What, 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 how did that meeting go differently than you think it might have if you hadn't prayed? And how did things change from there going forward as you really started incorporating your faith into what you did? Well, the interesting thing, uh, we had about 250 employees. And while I knew a lot of them, I didn't know all of them. And when, after that, when I'd walk around the manufacturing floor, it was amazing how many people would stop me, look me in the eye and said, I appreciate that prayer. I had never, maybe in the whole history of me being at the company, had people stop me except maybe to complain or to have a, have a good idea, which, of course, that's what we want to hear. But to stop and really say how much that meant to them uh, was kind of a paradigm shift for me. It was, uh, it was quite, quite a positive reaction and, and quite unexpected and certainly unintended. What's cool, as I have learned uh, just in the last decade, so many opportunities when you when you you start with meeting somebody on a one on one, just having a networking meeting, and, and you're having conversation. You're going to eat something, and so you say, "Hey, can I just pray for this really quick?" And, and what's really cool when you start to pray for people, even as you're just praying over food and you thank people for you know, they thank you for praying for them. They like, well, that was really nice. Thank you for praying. That was cool. I mean, it's amazing. I've never had anybody say when I ask them, "Hey, can I pray for the food?" or "Can I pray for us right now?" I've never had anybody say no. <laughs> never, never had anybody say no. And I have prayed with people from all walks of life and all religions. Never had anybody say no, not one. And, and when you don't have anything to say, if you're really facing a difficult conversation, and I've had a few of those, it's amazing how if you stop and say, let's pray about this together. Wow. Does it change the whole tone of the conversation? Well, it gives the Holy Spirit a chance to get into our, <laughs> to interrupt our conversation, too. I really like that. So did you eventually become an owner in that uh, aerospace business? Well, I was able to invest financially when I was pretty darn young. Uh, I don't know how or why, but the owners of the company uh, were pretty interested in me. Uh, and they said, you know, you can buy into the company. And, and gosh, all the money we had was pretty well tied up in IRAs. So I had to do some pretty fast financial finagling to figure out how to create an alternative investment and pour our money into the company. And those are a little risky. Uh, small companies don't always make it. And, but it was kind of the impetus for reading halftime because I thought, wow, you know, 
maybe if this all worked out, I might be able to retire early and, and do something else with my life. And so anyway, that was the impetus and, and it paid off, thank goodness. But again, I was, I was never considered an owner, just uh, I had a financial interest and, and we kind of risk it all uh, financially to be a part of it. So you're a stockholder. It's a, it's a little bit different. But now after you've read Halftime, and you, because the book Halftime talks about the fact that when you get when you read this book, and Douglas, this is what's really important, is, is people respond to it in a couple of different ways. One, they're like, okay, no, I'm going to retire or quit my job, and I'm going to go into a full-time, direct ministry, church-related, mission organization-related. I'm just going to head in a whole different direction. And then other people react to the book and go, okay, no, I'm going to learn how to incorporate my faith into what I'm already doing. You get a couple of different responses. Your response was, boy, I, I know where I've been for 40 years, but I really want to go somewhere different with my faith and the next step of my life. Where do you think God's taken you? Well, to radio, apparently, and podcasting and media. Uh, that's something that interests me a lot. And as you know, I'm in my halftime journey right now. I have a coach by the name of Lloyd Reeb, and, and Lloyd has challenged me to, to find some things that are scalable. And so podcasting, media, video seems to be a great way to scale up and share some of the stories I've heard. Because I expressed to Lloyd that in, in my vetting and researching to see if halftime was really as good as it appeared to be. And I was a pretty big doubter. Uh, I'll have to be honest. Uh, I, was, I thought, well, it can't be as good as their literature claims it is. But I talked to almost a dozen people, Jim, and they bat in a thousand. I talked to them independently of any referrals that halftime gave me. I found these people that had taken the halftime course over the past 20 years. And without exception, they all came back and said, it is the best time that you will ever spend towards your life. I would do it again. I would spend more money for it. It is absolutely the best single thing that I have ever done, you know, for my wife and my family and myself. Now, the halftime recommends, hey, listen, as you're trying to figure out what is it next that the Lord wants you to do, the Lord leads us into this the halftime journey says, hey, try a low cost probe. Try to figure out which way, which direction the Lord is asking you to go in. So, Douglas, a question for you. As you look at your dad experimenting and kind of seeing, OK, what's what's next? How hard is it for you to just sit back and let him do this? Or are you giving him a hard time? Or you, I mean, what, what are your thoughts? Yeah, well, um, living 12 hours away, um, I get a little more of a, a bigger picture than his day-to-day -day experiments. Um, but no, he, he asks the family all the time of just, hey, you know, what if I tried this or that? And, um, and we, tr we try <laughs> to give a good response um, or tell him, no, maybe not that. Um, but this, this is something that he's... Um, he, he experimented with, um, I'm sure he'll talk a little more with this amazing life. And, um, and it was something that definitely interested us. And we we're just like, keep going. It sounds good. But how hard is it to see your dad trying to figure out what he wants to do with his life when he grows up? Well, I mean, he's, he's always, I don't know. It's kind of fun. It, I mean, he's always been this engineer and always worked hard and, um, uh, provided. And it kind of makes sense. Like, um, to do something you're passionate about, what the Lord's calling you to do, and to to be in the process and to be in the space to 
search for that um, is really freeing and great. And and so I was I was excited. I was glad um, to see him jump out and do this. I love that. So Doug, let's talk about your your low cost probe. As you as you you know as you and I talked, I think the first time we talked back the 25th of September, almost three months ago, you were you were saying, okay, listen, I'm going to do some podcasts. I'm going to check that out, and and I've listened to them, and they're fantastic. You've done a great job. You talk a little slow, but it's I'm just kidding. They're really a very nice pace. You've done a great job. That you've actually got a better radio voice than I do, so I like that because it's just nice and it's it it just smooth as opposed to my hyper voice, but. Talk to me about the low-cost probe. Where do you think the Lord's leading after you, you, you spent these months? What do you think's next? Well, you, you reminded me of something that happened right after that prayer. And one of the ladies out on the manufacturing floor came up, and she said, you know, I really appreciated your prayer. And she said, by the way, you ought to be in radio. Well, nothing could have been further from a product development guy in a, in a manufacturing company. But she teased me every time I walked by. She said, you're the radio man. And, <laughs> and I'd done it nothing but pray at that uh, meeting that we had. So as I was vetting uh, this halftime program and really trying to find a reason not to go because it was going to take a lot of time, there was some financial commitment, and, and I just i am a little suspicious of those things. Was it a kind of... <laughs> I don't want to say a scam, but, you know, is it a way to, to generate money for those people who are involved and it may be okay? But after I talked to these people, and Jim, every one of them I talked to was so energizing. They were just kind of like, oh, you have no idea what you're in store for. They have this. I experienced that. My family changed. My relationship with my wife changed. I'm doing these things. And actually... It wasn't as scary as I thought it would be. And that was almost universally the thing that I heard from almost everybody was, it seems scary to make a transition from the marketplace into a pursuit of, of, of a living legacy for your life. But that's really, that's, that's just, it's all bunk because there are a lot of decisions that have to be made. I'm in the process of making a lot of those decisions. But they're not nearly as bad and as fearful as you think they will be. God will provide. There are people there that will help you. There are people that come alongside you. And it's, you know, I know things are not going to go perfectly. I know I'm going to have some setbacks. But to see my family involved and excited and, and participating, you know, there's just nothing that compares to that. So you're, you keep referencing them and they, and that's halftime.org, isn't it? It's, I was getting ready to pull up the website, and you, you stop talking too fast. But it's halftime. The halftime group is a fantastic group of people that, that are led by a guy named Dean Niewolny, which I, I had him on the show whew, a couple of years ago. And then you got Rhonda Kelbeck. She's out there trying to recruit people. You, you've got uh, Jeff Spadafore, who you talked to. You've got Lloyd Reeb, who's also who's famous. I mean, he's written books. I mean, these guys are really passionate about helping people find significance in the second half of their life, whatever that may be. For me, I hope it's not just the second half. That means I'm dying at 74. But okay, if that's what it is, that's great. I'm good to go. But how have you and Nancy handled this? Because it's disconcerting but yet, it's what we're called to do. When we make the Lord really Lord of all of our life, including our finances and our provision, that's a real step of faith. How are you and Nancy staying grounded 
as you pursue this, because whatever you really feel the Lord leading you to do, it's going to involve Nancy. Oh, absolutely. And, and our halftime coach has been a fantastic asset for that. But one of the more amazing things has been, as I have interviewed people for this not yet released podcast series, almost every one of them talked about how it changed their relationship with their wife in such a positive way. And, and so my wife co-hosts with me on the podcast series, and she's just listening to this kind of going, wow, person after person after person has talked about the positive impact that this has had on the family, not just the outreach or the mission or whatever it is they're on, how significant it was to their family. And so it hadn't gone perfectly. Uh, my wife has suddenly had to get used to be being home 24-7. Are you driving her nuts? <laughs> well, I think it might be a little close at times, but it's really exciting to be together. I mean, that's why we got married right. 33 years ago, and so we're taking walks together. We're doing a lot of things together. Uh, she's probably having to adapt more than I am because it's kind of like, wow, I get to stay home, and she's kind of like, oh, my goodness, uh, you're, you're staying home. <laughs> she hasn't gone out and got a full-time job yet or a part-time job? Not yet. That's like what one of the guys said, well, I married you for better or for worse, but not for lunch. And uh, oh, so, come on, that's not good. Uh, well, I mean, but that's actually something you got to kind of figure out. Sure, you, you each need your space, but it, it's overall been just great. We have uh, had more fun and and feel like kids again. What do you see has been the biggest challenge to your marriage as you go through this? Was it was it the quitting of the job, retiring, quote-unquote, from the job? Was that the biggest challenge, or is it this pursuit of significance and what that looks like? Which, which part has been bigger? Well, I, I think we still haven't answered all the questions. Financial, of course, is a big part of it, is you've got to figure out, all right, what is going to be your income stream? Uh, how are you going to adjust financially? Uh, are we going to end up, you know, having to live on you know, beans and bread for the rest of our life, and we're not. But, you know, till you live it out a little while, you're, you're not going to totally know exactly how your finances are. But we're already seeing, you know, we've eliminated some things that we didn't need. Uh, we're finding more time together. I'm finding more time to read. She's getting involved in the podcast, which uh, has been huge for both of us. So, you know, there is adjusting. But it's all positive. It seems a little scary at first, but it's all positive. So talk to me about these podcasts that you're doing with Nancy. What, what is the subject matter for these podcasts, and how can people find out about them? Okay. Well, it's called The Amazing Life uh, is the first podcast, and there's actually a second one on prodigals. Uh, but we'll talk about The Amazing Life because that's the one that really I'm most involved with on the halftime. As I'd mentioned before, the lives of people that have been involved in halftime and, and other organizations, just it is amazing how exciting their lives are now versus what it was before. Did they have more money before? Possibly. Did they have a bigger title before? Sure. But they're having the time of their lives now. And as I talk to these people and the excitement that they have and how enthusiastic they are about what they're doing, it's kind of, I've got to share this. I've got to capture this in media. And they've encouraged me to, to do those, and I've found a lot of really fascinating people. And they're not all halftime people, but they are people either who know halftime or involved in halftime 
or there are people that are just kind of following the formula and they didn't even know it was halftime. The exciting thing is there's more to life than inbox zero. And so many of us are focused on, you know, trying to get our inbox to zero. Gosh, in the scale of things, that's nothing. What's really priceless. But it does feel good. It feels well, good. When my inbox is at zero, Martha always comes to me and go like, that's not even fair. How come your inbox is empty? Sorry. I just had to put that in there because it does feel good. Well, I don't know. I'm just not going to die paying bills and keep <laughs> inbox zero. I want, to, I want some more exciting things in, in my life and getting involved, and, it, and it's coming true. I mean, it's just – I mean, I'm talking to you, Jim, and I, that wouldn't have happened a year ago. But what, what's cool, though, is how the Lord is moving you. And this is where Psalm 119, 105 really comes into play. You know, I, and I, I got to tell you, in the last, mm, boy, five years, that verse has meant so much to me. And it was after somebody, one of my missionary friends helped me understand it. Psalm 119, 105 says, The Lord is a lamp unto my feet and a light into my path. And I'm always, in my mind, because I grew up with flashlights, I'm always thinking, a light under my path. I could see well down the pathway. I could see what's up ahead. I could see the spiders crossing the path or tree branches that are low. But that's not the kind of light that they had back then. They had these little oil lamps that barely cast off a shadow. And you could, you could see the light on your feet and you could see just enough to take the next step. But not the whole path. You don't know what the whole path looks like. And once I understood that, and I said, okay, Lord, I understand you're just going to show me where I'm supposed to take the next step. But I'm not going to know the whole path. Just help me be obedient in taking that next step. And that's really where you're at. Because you're where I was at several years ago in just going, okay, Lord, I'm willing to take this jump and do radio. What is that really all about? I have no idea why you're asking me to go on a radio. And I still ask that question often, but I have a lot of fun with it. So it's cool to be in there. So, Doug, identify for people, what is it, what can they be looking at? How do they know when they're coming up on halftime? How do they know when they should stop and just go, hmm, I should stop and go, hmm? Jim, it's actually easier than it sounds. Because most of us have experienced this, and you've been through it, so you can relate to this. Uh, Jeff Spatafora calls it smoldering discontent, and it's such a good phrase. The other thing is you, you feel this thing, the next big deal that you do just doesn't feel quite as rewarding. When you're starting to make choices between being at work or being with your family and you choose work, you know, in the scale of things, work isn't going to be around in our later days. Chances are it's going to get bought out, sold, go out of business, whatever it is. You'll be, you won't be there, but your God, your family, that's what matters. So when you start seeing your priorities shifting more towards, am I going to get a better pay? Am I going to get a greater title? Do I have to just work a little bit harder? Those kind of priorities are not going to get us anywhere. So no, there's nobody that's living on their deathbed or dying on their deathbed, whatever they're doing on their deathbed, going, boy, I wish I'd worked more. Oh, I wish I'd worked more. They're all going, boy, I wish I'd spent more time with my family. I missed some time with my kids. And how many people in the pursuit of success destroy that which they're trying to provide for? Doug, in the last few seconds that we've got of the show, talk to me about what smoldering discontent was. How did you know that it was time for you to make a, 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 a change? Because you as an engineer, very difficult for for you to make change. You're very comfortable as a personality type, typically for an engineer, you're very comfortable with knowing exactly where you're at. And it takes a lot 
to move an engineer to make a change. And that's all too true. Because where I was uh, was where I was comfortable. It was predictable. I could forecast out what things were going to be. To move out of that space is seems risky. But, you know, I was, I was not seeing the excitement with the new deals. I was not seeing the excitement that I'd once felt with new products. I was not seeing the, you know, just the enthusiasm that I had for the, once had for the job. And, and I probably had a bit too much in my early days because I did give up some time with my family that, honestly, I regret at this point because I missed some moments with my kids uh, that I shouldn't have because I chose the wrong priority because that company is, is history as far as my life goes. They're wonderful people there. I'm not by any means throwing off on that, but they are what they are. So, so you've got, I got 15 seconds left, smoldering discontent. What was the final straw that broke the camel's back that said, I'm going to make a change? Oh, I would have to say we just, my wife and I, uh, sat down and said, we've got to do something different. And so we researched it, and halftime is the vehicle that we're using to figure it out. Doug Piper, Douglas Piper, thank you so much for being on iWork for him. Quite a privilege. Really appreciate your time and an awesome story. Thanks for sharing from your heart. Thank you. I appreciate it. We've enjoyed it. All right, thanks for tuning in to Our Work for Him today. On thanks to Ace Andrews for his excellence that he demonstrated today. Thanks to our show sponsors. Go out to IWorkForHim.com and click on the links to their websites. You should be doing business with them. Hey, when you get home today, would you click on the I Work for Him Nation tab on our website? Go out to IWorkForHim.com and consider joining this battle as we take this city for Jesus Christ. You know, we heard the words, I don't want to live with regret. And and Doug shared his story today on exactly how we all can suffer from this, where we get so involved in our work that we end up destroying those things that we're working for, our families, our children, our marriages. And Doug came to a spot in his life where he called it halftime, where the pain to stay the same was exceeded, was that, well, okay. He just decided to make a change and his wife said, hey, it's time for us to make a change. I always screw up that saying, but here's the point. Doug realized he wanted to pursue a life of significance and that's what this is about. This life, we are never gonna get to our deathbed and go, boy, I wish I'd work more. We're gonna get to our deathbed and hopefully you listening to the show are gonna say, I lived my life to the fullest. I pursued significance. I didn't waste my time pursuing success. I read the book Halftime, I read my Bible, and I realized I want to pursue Jesus Christ. You've been listening to I Work For Him with your host, Jim Brangenberg. I'm a Christ follower, and I own my own business, but ultimately, I work for him. (laughs) 